there's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more... Right now, you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Hey, guys. Back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck, yeah. And some waves. So we could go surfing. Oh, <laughs> Love that. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, can a girl go shopping? Yeah, baby. Wait. Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. Welcome to Special Teams, a production of iHeartRadio. Welcome inside Special Teams, the weekly podcast where we take a look back at a special year and some special teams that achieved in the world of sports. I'm Jason Smith. Alongside me, Mike Harmon. Every week we bring you this show. And uh, we're in a run now we'd like to call I Love the 90s. Last week we looked back at the 1991 NFL seasons of the Lions and the Browns. And today we're going to take a look back at the 1995 Major League Baseball season. This was the year coming back from the strike. We had oddities. We had controversies. We lost legends. We had a crazy playoff. We had tiebreakers. Uh, this season in Major League Baseball really had it all because nobody knew what it was going to be like, Mike, coming back from uh, the strike. We didn't have baseball. They canceled the World Series. What's baseball going to be like? Are the same teams who were good in 94 going to be good in 1995? Nobody had any expectations to what we were going to see. Well, and, th- and that's it because the strike extended into the year too, right? I mean, so when you, when you look at the, the 94 season, like Southside Chicago and in me still – raise a fist and anger uh, celebrate Frank Thomas's MVP, but the questions of what could have been for the good folks of Montreal, a question of what could have been uh, <laughs> and, and all of that. I still have a couple of uh, commemorative baseballs uh, from that season that are still sitting nice. Look at you. back in the day. So it's just a, the oddity and the anger and the just the hand wringing of what was to come. So return from the strike didn't happen opening day. The strike carried well over into 1995. People forget they only played 144 games that year instead of 162 because once they walked away from the bargaining table, they stayed away for a long time. It only got solved when the owners decided we're going to have replacement players play. 
So, all right, now let's get this going. They finally agreed, and they started in late April. The strike lasted a total of 232 days when it was all said and done. And everybody was happy to have baseball back. I remember I was a production assistant at ESPN. It was really weird just not seeing the World Series, not covering it, not having a champion, and not having a season start that way. It was it was really devastating because 1994 was one of the best seasons baseball was having in a long time. You had a yeah. lot of interest. You had potentially the home run record being broken. Tony Gwynn might have hit 400, and now that got taken away. And so people's return to baseball kind of came at arm's length. You know, it was one of the, okay, baseball's back, but we're still angry. We're still a little bit, we, we've gotten along without it for a long time. And anytime you get along without something, coming back to it is never as easy. This wasn't, hey, we're throwing our arms around the game. In fact, I'll tell you, it needed something that happened in September to actually bring the game all the way back. But I'm getting ahead of that a little bit. Yeah, no, we'll leave that for, I mean, because think about 94. It started with so much promise. Michael Jordan mm-hmm. signed his minor league deal with the White Sox. You had Tuffy Rhodes and three home runs against the Mets, and the Mets still won the game. And you just go on down, and it's like all these oddities were happening. And as you said, and as we talk about, some of these great individual performances go to the wayside of, oh, what could have been. (laughs) So what was in store for us in 1995? Well, let's start on August 10th, which turned out to be the most recently forfeited Major League Baseball game. (laughs) No game has been forfeited since August 10th of 1995 when the Dodgers lost a game to the Cardinals because it was baseball night. At Dodger Stadium. And after some bad calls, fans got upset and they started throwing baseballs on the field. And the umpires finally said, forget it. This is not safe. You guys forfeit. And it was it was groundbreaking. It was wait a minute. We had a four actually had a forfeit? And we had a forfeit? Yeah. And the umpires, I remember this vividly, saying everything was fine until Tommy Lasorda came out of the dugout. One of the umpires said, waving his fat little arms because he wanted to argue a call. And he knew that if I come out and I do this, or this is what the umpires were insinuating, if I knew if I come out and I do this, fans are going to throw baseballs on the field. Like that, you knew that was, and that's exactly what happened. They said everything was fine until Lasorda, you know, came out throwing his arms up in the air. Everybody throws baseballs on the field, and the game gets forfeited. Madness, right? I mean, this is disco demolition in the middle of a game. Yeah. Yes, you didn't blow anything up, but to, to think that many baseballs are flying around. And you know, Tommy Lasorda, one of the great ambassadors of the game, but a man who could get salty with the language pretty fast. Oh, sure. His performance. His perf- the guy's performance. The guy had three <laughs> runs off us today. What do you mean his performance? So, yeah, just think about how angry he was. Yeah. I mean, you've never seen I remember because I, I did a feature on that on Sports Center. There were some real crazy things that happened in, in uh, uh, umpiring that week in baseball. And I did this story and I was like, this is just crazy. Like I remember coming, it was one of those stories where you didn't know about it until the next day because it happened late on the West Coast. And unless you watch Sports Center at 2:30 in the morning, you're like, wait, the Dodgers forfeited? They forfeited a game? How do you forfeit a game? What? They didn't have enough players? Players leave, they go home. Wait, they were throwing baseballs on the field. And since then, baseball day at stadiums has always been met with kind of a sideways glance of, yeah, I don't know if throwing, if having a baseball giveaway is the smartest thing to do. Baseballs and bats are one of those nights where I think teams go, ooh, baseball day, ooh, bat day, baseball day. Dude, when I I was a kid, I I wish I still had them because they were fantastic. Eventually, my parents, like, 
you know, I'm not taking it to my dorm room. So as soon as I'm out of the house, all this stuff's gone. Uh, But the White Sox used to give full-size bats. Yeah. And it would have a guy's, you know, name etched into it. You know, whoever the slugger of the year was with the Sox logo. (laughs) And I look, man, you know, every once in a while, you couldn't find the wiffle bat and the wooden bat would come out. We had a couple of pretty gruesome injuries uh, because of those wooden bats back in the day. Sorry, little brother. Uh, But, you know, (laughs) he wanted to catch. What are you going to do? It's... (laughs) He's okay now. Uh, <laughs> but nowadays, you can't get away with even the mini bats. I don't see those for sale in the gift shop very often. <laughs> uh, so that's what happened on August 10th. We had the Dodgers forfeited game. Like a lot of it was home plate uh, balls and strikes calls that the Dodgers were very upset with. Raul Mondesi, there was an at bat in the ninth inning where it was just. It really, I mean, balls are like three feet off the plate and Mondesi strikes out. This is when Lasorda comes running out. Balls are being thrown on the field. The umpires very insistently call everybody off and Lasorda is trying to yell to the people, stop throwing baseballs on the field. Brian Jordan, who is playing outfield for the Cardinals, is, is trying to get baseballs and throw them back. It was just that kind of night. Cardinals wind up winning the game. The final score is two to one and it was forfeited in the ninth inning. The most recent forfeit before for that game for the Dodgers, 1916. They won a game by forfeit. So you get a figure every 85 years or so, you're going to win or lose a game via forfeit. Achieve balance in the force. Uh, it was just three days after that that we lost a legend. On August 13th, Mickey Mantle died due to liver failure. And it was a well-chronicled uh, story. He had had years of drinking and partying. I remember when it was first announced he needed a liver. It was such a, a serious story, such a blow, because Mickey Mantle's a hero to so many people uh, who would watch baseball, grown up watching baseball. And there was a big uproar that happened when he got a liver, when he was put on the uh, the list of of needing a liver after just one day. And there were groups that stood up and said, how does Mickey Mantle get a liver just because he was a baseball player? I don't understand. Even though doctors had to have a press conference and say no, but they understood the favoritism that's going to look like Mickey Mantle getting a liver. But they said that, look, a liver came in that matched him because obviously not all livers match other people. So he gets a liver in June and it was it was kind of controversial at the time. And it made it for a couple of months, but he had cancer as well. And Mickey Mantle passed away on August 13th. And it was just a you know the the end of of such a a tragic life for him, even though it was filled with such incredible wonder on the field, uh, not taking care of his body, and and it was I remember that week or so right there after Mickey Mantle's death, a, a lot of people, and you can talk to your dad about it, or you know if you're listening, you remember you remember the emotional feeling. Boy, Mickey Mantle passed away, and there was no more charismatic ball player when they played than Mickey Mantle. Yeah, I you know having family that. Uh in the medical field, uh, extended family, and and talking about this uh, with their knowledge of transplantation, you know, you go through the list. You've got to be clean from, you know, the the stuff in your system for a period of time. And then there's categories based on how sick you are. And he had been diagnosed and, and was given weeks to live without it. And so, you know, that's top of the charts. And there's always going to be the question uh, of recipients. I know he was very generous with his time there, made sure, you know, here, I'm going to sign a ton of baseballs for the people taking care of me, you know, and was, you know, courteous and kind. 
And yeah, it's that debate that happens even today when you see someone seemingly jump the line. It doesn't mean it's necessarily so, but we, we know the court of public opinion is going to have their run on it. Not to mention the fact that a guy like Mickey Mantle, what he meant to that generation, right? It's Willie, Mickey, and the Duke, the song we still sing in 2020, uh, maybe with Homer Simpson lyrics uh, messed around with it. But the same idea uh, of just that hero. Uh, and I got to say, the Mickey Mantle story, there was uh, a, an adaptation of it when I was in grade school that I, I must have done the book report every six to eight weeks. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, I no, did. I, 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 Sandy Co- I did with Sandy Koufax. I had a Sandy Koufax book that every year I do a book report on Sandy Koufax. Yeah, I, yeah. I cycled it through. There was some romanticism to it of you know a farm kid injuries that he overcame, and and certainly uh, we we know the lifestyle that he led uh, brought him to that point, and his family set up the foundation that did on a, done a ton of good in his name before he passed. He had done PSAs about. You know, hey, take care of yourself, go to the doctor, uh, listen to your doctor, all of those kind of things. And and controversy that still comes up, uh, survival rate uh, was negligible at that point. But, you know, it shows how fast technology and medical advances are that you have a, if it's caught early enough, you, you've got a pretty good chance of reversing it. It's the 1995 Major League Baseball season, and as we continue, we'll get to the moment that officially brought baseball back from the strike, a moment we had never seen before that we all wanted to see, and a playoff tiebreaker for the ages. All that and more on the way on special teams. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. (sighs) Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Good sleep should come naturally, and with the new Natural Hybrid mattress, it can. A collaboration between award-winning mattress brand Lisa and home design favorite West Elm, the Natural Hybrid is the culmination of these two companies' shared values. Premium materials, meticulous craftsmanship, and sustainable practices. Made with natural latex, responsibly sourced natural wool, and environmentally safe foams, the Natural Hybrid elevates your sleep sanctuary. Indulge your senses and supports a greener tomorrow. Plus, when you purchase the natural hybrid, you're also helping fuel Lisa's work with shelters and those in need. Since 2015, Lisa has donated more than 40,000 mattresses to ensure children and families have a safe place to sleep. 
Don't put off a good night's sleep any longer. Get a Lisa mattress today for a sound sleep tonight. Visit lisa.com slash iHeart. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com slash iHeart. The 1995 baseball season, kind of a lazy river of drama, except the river went like 150 miles an hour. (laughs) Uh, Trying to come back from the strike. It was clear that this year, look, people wanted baseball back. They were happy it was back, but there was no moment that cemented that baseball was back from the strike and we were ready to, to start over the clean slate. Then on September 6th, when Cal Ripken, played in his 2,131st consecutive game, breaking Lou Gehrig's record. I remember thinking that moment, you know, he, he, he breaks the record, the game becomes official, and he starts running around the outside of the stands, high-fiving the fans. That was such an incredible and powerful moment. All I could think of watching that at the time was baseball's back. Now, he single-handedly brought baseball back by showing up to work every day. And in a Sport where it's always about guys who hit home runs and and Sammy Sosa and Mark McGuire. It was about baseball not coming to work, which pissed everybody off. And then it was about this guy coming to work every day that brought baseball back. It was just one of those moments where it it just clicked in your head. Okay, everything's forgiven. We got to move on. The old adage of 80% is just showing up. And for Cal Ripken, for a country that's, you know, blue collar. I mean, growing up in Chicago, right? A lot of blue collar jobs, city workers, uh, everything else. I mean, that was that was the guy because he came to play. That's why there's controversy about, you know, Harold Baines in, outside of Chicago, but the appreciation of, all right, even after he ripped up his knees, you know what? He was in the lineup every day and he shut up and he, and he went to work. <laughs> and so, you know, Cal Ripken celebrated with the giant milestones in addition to this one and a much needed shot in the arm as attendance dipped 20% mm-hmm. coming off the strike. Yeah. So anything that was going to give them a boost of positivity in any way was going to be huge. So why not celebrate the everyman uh, attitude of one of your game's elite players? So Ripken brings baseball back and we steam towards the playoffs with a new lease on baseball life. And then on September 28th, something happened we hadn't seen since 1893. The Mets, Mets won, won a game. game. Oh, nice. You owe me a beer. We said at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm sorry. I thought you lobbed it up. Uh, Zion Williamson coming in from the we, dunk. We've been that working made to- you Lonzo Ball. How you like that? We've been working together too long that we both did this at the that, Mets well, won a game. That's true. Uh, and, and this is a story that I was fascinated by because I remember when he first came up, Greg Harris, Greg A. Harris, because there were two pitchers named Greg sure. Harris who played the same time. Well, Greg, the other one was the Padres, wasn't he? Right. He was Greg W. Harris, right? This is Greg <laughs> A. Harris. Remember when he came up, he was a he was a player that he was amphibious. Right. He could he was amphibious. He could throw with both <laughs> arms. And he had a special glove that he could pitch what that he would wear that it would he could work on either hand, whatever he wanted to. And there was a lot of talk that he was going to be the first pitcher in a game to pitch in one game from both sides and, and pitch righty and lefty. Well, finally happened on September 28th. First pitcher since 1893 to pitch with both hands in a game. He faced four batters. Two from each side, 
they wound up losing to the Reds. Uh, the Expos did. And it, I just I remember it was weird for so long he'd do it, and I thought more pitchers would come up and be able to do that. Like, for how many how many baseball parrots did I think they were going to be saying, okay, kid, this is what you're going to do. We're going to come <laughs> and you're going to throw 100 pitches with your right arm and 100 pitches with your left arm. And you're going to do it every single day until you can make the major leagues. I'm going to turn you into this guy that can now pitch, and you can be your own reliever. And you can switch and go from right to left whenever you want to. I'm really surprised there weren't some crazy dads who tried to do that more with their kids after the story came out. Uh, I'm sure there were. They just didn't get anywhere with it because the kid either got frustrated (laughs) or went back to saying, all right, the off arm doesn't work so well. Dad, I can't throw lefty. Come on. Well, it's like how many times did you you play around, you know, when you were emulating – your your favorite player, not to go all batting stance guy, but you'd, you'd go and you'd hit from the opposite way. And all of you listening out there, you did it, right? You you went and you took the stance of your favorite guy that batted from the opposite side to your normal. And maybe you found that there was something a little different about the way you hit. When I started screwing around with it, I found that I could hit a ball a country mile if I batted lefty. Problem is I didn't have control. Uh. So I swung and missed far more frequently, whereas batting righty, I had great bat control and could place at least at the little league level, and then I became overmatched, and that was the end of that. Mm. Uh, but <laughs> batting lefty is like, yeah, he, he crushes it when he hits it. <laughs> <laughs> How often does he hit it? Don't worry about it. Just nah, to- <laughs> forget the percentages. Just just enjoy the prodigious blast. Like, yeah, man, I'm not talking like three, you know. Yeah, no, I get what you're saying. Hitting a bunch of homers, but... Prodigious yeah. blast when you're 10, yeah, okay, yeah, no, that's, I, I get it. I understand what it is. All on the theory of relativity. Yeah. Right. Uh, so that turned out to be Harris's final year in Major League Baseball, so he finishes doing something that we hadn't seen in, in 100 years uh, in the game. And now we get set for the serious part of the season, the playoffs. However, the Angels and the Mariners had to play a tiebreaker game to decide the AL West. On August 3rd, Seattle was 13 games back of the then California Angels. Right? It was, okay, what are you going to do? You're 13 games back. You're playing out the string. However, California gave up their lead with 10 games left. So this wasn't like all the way down to the final game, Seattle catches California and they got to play a playoff. No, California gave away this lead with 10 games left to go. There was no pins and needles. They were terrible. In fact, California had to win the last five games just to force a playoff against Seattle. And it was a tough time in Seattle because it was this year that there was a lot of rumors that Seattle was going to move because look, Tampa wanted a team. There was a long time rumor that Tampa was going to get a team. They were pushing for it and Seattle was going to be that team. It was a big, not, not quite a make or break year, but maybe without this year for the Seattle Mariners, they wind up moving to Tampa. They play this playoff game and it's a close game until Luis Soho doubles down the first baseline bases loaded Everybody scores. It was a close game. Mark Langston, who's the pitcher for the Angels, makes a bad throwing error. He cuts off the throw to the plate for an unknown reason. He had an out at second base, but there was a miscommunication. He didn't get an out earlier. Uh, it was it was just a bad time and a bad uh, run right there for Mark Langston, who had been a really good pitcher for the most part. And 
Rex Hudler, who was one of his best friends on the team, you know, says something to him to try to to amp him up. And in the dugout, you can see this. It's 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 incredible video is Hudler, you know, says something to, to Langston and then he's trying to get ready because he's going to bat that inning. And Langston goes and sits right next to Hudler and goes, Blank you, Hud. And he just stands there staring at him like we're going to if you look at me, we're going to fight. And it was really uncomfortable. And I was like, oh, this ooh, this looks like there could be a fight. It just looked like Hudler. It, don't look up at him. Don't look up at him. You know, they apologized <laughs> after the game that turned out to be a big uh, Seattle win. They go on to the playoffs and California goes home. But <laughs> that, that moment is just, if you watch that, if you could watch video of that, you see, you go, ooh, this is scary, man. Mark Langston looks like the most upset man you've ever seen in your life. So the Angels lose. And the Mariners go on to the playoffs. And look, you know, we talk about dynasties that never were and, you know, dynasties that should have happened. This Seattle Mariners team is absolutely loaded. However, they needed a big win to save baseball in Seattle. We got that coming up next, as well as how the World Series goes down and a television baseball decision that I can't believe was made back then, but yet it was. That's coming up next right here on Special Teams. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, Right now, you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Good sleep should come naturally. And with the new Natural Hybrid mattress, it can. A collaboration between award-winning mattress brand Lisa and home design favorite West Elm, the Natural Hybrid is the culmination of these two companies' shared values. Premium materials, meticulous craftsmanship, and sustainable practices. Made with natural latex, responsibly sourced natural wool, and environmentally safe foams, the Natural Hybrid elevates your sleep sanctuary. Indulge your senses and supports a greener tomorrow. Plus, when you purchase the natural hybrid, you're also helping fuel Lisa's work with shelters and those in need. Since 2015, Lisa has donated more than 40,000 mattresses to ensure children and families have a safe place to sleep. Don't put off a good night's sleep any longer. Get a Lisa mattress today for a sound sleep tonight. Visit lisa.com slash iHeart. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com slash iHeart. If what we've told you about hasn't been bat bananas crazy so far with 1995, well, now we get to the playoffs. And some of the drama there unmatched in recent years in Major League Baseball. This was the first year with the wild card. Mm -hmm. And it was 
a big deal for Major League Baseball to implement it. Nowadays, we add wild cards all the time. Oh, NFL, we're going to add a wild card. Baseball, you mess with the yeah, sanctity of my game, Jason Smith. We're going to add a wild card. Let's add a wild card. How about a wild card? We had wild But back then, it was a big deal because baseball had lived for so long on division champions get in and that's it. Well, and, and, and moving you, to three divisions. Yeah, you you could you could get away with that for a long time, but that could never happen now because there's too much more interest People would unplug, fans would unplug if a team is eliminated by the middle of July, but going to baseball games and watching baseball games is kind of what you did. Now there's too much more to gain your attention, and if teams fall out of the running, well, guess what? Baseball's business goes down the tubes. So now they decide, hey, we're going to have different divisions, we're going to have wild card teams, and see how it goes. The one thing baseball didn't figure out yet, was putting games on opposite each other so playoff games were only televised regionally. Who the hell said that was a good idea? You know what? Let's, let's have the Major League Baseball play. We're going to add games and add all kinds of interest. What about the games? Ah, we'll just put them on regionally. Wait, wait. Every game's not going to be nationally televised? Nah. You think people are going to want to watch all these? Yeah, it's okay. We'll just put them on regionally. You talk about watching millions and millions and millions of dollars just fly out the window. Some business decisions that I see happen in the past, I, I shake my head because I, I, I just go... I, it's, it's it's a fastball down the middle to say, let's put all the games on national. All, all the playoff games before are on national TV. Uh, not going to be on now? Nah. Why? Yeah, it's too tough. It's too tough of a of a situation to get it. So they're all going to be on regionally only. And uh, that's what it yeah. was in 1995. No, it's one that still just, you, you do the research and go back to that time and you just shake your head, you know, in terms of the dollars and cents. And I got a, one for the, the postscript on this year that'll uh, blow your mind oh, uh, in terms right. of teams. But, uh, you know, TBS, right? Superstation, WGN, Superstation. Uh, no, uh, TBS had obviously the Braves, but then they did the All-Star Game stuff from 1988 from, from Cincinnati. So they were there. The, uh, TNT bid on the rights in 1990. Those went to ESPN. And then eventually, you know, you have the the big offer in 1994 of, hey, we'll give you $45 million for rights to be in. Uh, no. Uh, instead, you have ABC and NBC with this thing called the Baseball Network uh, that was short-lived here. But they didn't, they didn't pick up on the fact that, you know what, in the middle of the day, people will find the game. Stagger them by an hour, even. <laughs> Give yourself a fighting chance and go national and have partners and build this up. Because Major League Baseball was the leader in going in and embracing technology eventually. I know it's always seen as stayed. And 2020 is a whole other thing because the rules have to be rewritten seemingly every couple of minutes because of the pandemic. But, you know, back when it was audio first of broadcasts into then streaming video, baseball led the way. They might have gone kicking and screaming, but the folks uh, at BAM and, and everything realized there was a market to be had for all the transplants, and they did it. It's, it's amazing how short a span it was from not doing <laughs> the national broadcast here to becoming the leaders in that technology <laughs> just in a matter of a couple of years. All right, we blew that one. Let's figure it out.
So the playoffs go on, whether you saw the games or not. And uh, <laughs> we mentioned that big Yankees Mariner series, which has been documented quite a few times. The, the Edgar Martinez game winning double yeah. in game five to win the series, the series that saved baseball in Seattle, because after that there was no talk of, Hey, we're going to wind up moving the team. And, this is a team that was Griffey and Martinez and Alex Rodriguez. And Jay Buda. And Jay Buda. How could you trade Jay Buda? And, it, you know, certain teams, you, you look back in history and go, man, they should have won more. Man, they should have won more. Yeah, clearly, yeah, the Mariners should have found a way to win the World Series at least once. Randy Johnson. I mean, this team had everything. And, and they, they just couldn't find a way. They couldn't find a way to get to the World Series. They couldn't find a way to get all their talent and, and have it all come through at once. They had a tough time keeping Ken Griffey healthy. But, boy, you look at this lineup and you go, these are Hall of Fame players. Yeah. I mean, you got three guys in the middle of the order that are all Hall of Fame players. And you got yeah, a Hall Ran of Fame Randy pitcher. Johnson on the mound. <laughs> right? I mean, because this continued. It goes all the way to 2001, right, where they win 116 games. Uh -huh. yeah. And still... Never got over. Uh, it also helped build the dynasty for the New York Yankees because it was such a disappointing loss for the Yankees. As good as they were, they were becoming a really good team. Buck Showalter got fired. Right, he get all the way. Here they are in the in, in, in the playoffs. They played well. The Yankees have been bad for so long. Here they are in 1990. Because people forget the Yankees were terrible. Once they, they finished their dynasty in the 80s, they lose to the Dodgers in the World Series in 81. They were bad. I mean, they were bad. They were back page laughing stocks. Don Mattingly was the best player the Yankees had. And he came, he came up the year after they went to the playoffs and he retired the year before they won the world series. Uh, Joe Torre comes in to take over. And of course he wins the world series in 96, 98, 99, not 2000, not three, uh, you know, Buck Showalter, who we talked about him in a previous episode of special teams about how Buck Showalter left teams right before his teams yeah. won the world series. He set him up nicely. If he doesn't get fired, maybe Buck Showalter has like eight rings, you know, <laughs> uh, look at all these world series I'm winning. He can have uh, the pictures alongside the old ones we'd see of Yogi Berra and stuff. <laughs> Here's all my rings. Hey, look at it. It's right here. So wow. we get to the World Series. The Mariners fall short, and this is the Braves and the Cleveland Indians. And I know we say this a lot about certain teams, but for me, well, for, this was the Cleveland Indians' return to prominence because you talk about the lovable losers for so long. The Indians were just bad. But here they are, and you look at this team. It's the first World Series in over 40 years. This is probably the best team to never win the World Series oh, in a yeah. single year. Like you look at all the teams who were runners up. This is this is without a doubt the best team that didn't win the World Series. They won the Central by 30 bleeping games. All right. And this is when they only had 144 games. Right. Remember they they didn't play 18 more games. They won hundred games. They might have won more than 110. If yeah. they played a full 162 games, I mean, to win by that many games, they were loaded everywhere. This Cleveland Indians team had everything and going into the world series. It, you know, look, we had seen Atlanta uh, play before, but we've seen Atlanta fall short. I didn't think this was going to be the Braves year because the Indians were just too good everywhere. They were, they were too Their pitching was great. Their hitting was through the roof. This was a team and the Indians were going to do it. And they were going to end the run of, of, of no championships in Cleveland. This is the team that was going to do it. 39 year old Eddie Murray as the DH Still with 21 homers and 82 RBI. It still doesn't look right in a Cleveland Indians uniform. No, he played with the uh, Mets, too. Yeah, I know. A young Manny Ramirez, Kenny Lofton stealing bases. Albert Bell was a 50-50 guy. 
batting 317. My guy, uh, Mr. Incredible, Jim Tome, back when he could play third base. Mm-hmm. And that was By a, air, and that was a down scale. year for Jim Tome. Yeah, 25 and 73 yeah. uh, was what he came up with that year. Uh, but he did walk. Uh, 97 times uh, and batted 314. <laughs> so, and Sandy Alomar was the backup catcher. I mean, to, to go through how deep it was, because we know how well, you know, he called a game and would have some clutch, you know, moments uh, at the plate as well. But I mean, Oral Hershiser, 16 game winners, Charles Nagy, 16 game winner, Denny Martinez with 12 wins, and Julian Tavares had 10 wins as a reliever. I mean, you had everybody. You had Paul Ossenmacher. I just wanted to say Ossenmacher. <laughs> uh, you had big years from Paul Sorrento at yeah. first base. And don't forget Omar Vizquel, who had a run as one of the top three shortstop in baseball for a oh, long time. Yeah. You know, I mean, th- th- this team, I mean, top to bottom, you know, Pena, Sorrento, Carlos Baerga, who drove in 90 runs, Vizquel, Tommy, Bell, Lofton, Ramirez, Eddie Murray. This is, there are no outs in this lineup. No. There's, there's zero outs. I can't believe they made an out during the regular season. There are no outs in this lineup. home runs, mm. averaging nearly six runs per game scored. Mm. They had, their starting pitching, even though it was really good, not, not as quite as good as the hitting. Obviously, the hitting gets a lot of attention, and rightfully so, because this is a team that hit unlike so many teams in the history of baseball. Uh, but you still, okay, you're, you're anchored by a couple of really good pitchers. You mentioned Oral Hershiser. That's the one thing you can say, all right, where are they a tiny bit vulnerable? But it shouldn't have mattered. And I mean, this team should have just done. It was the great Atlanta Braves pitching. It's Maddox and Smoltz and Glavin and Steve Avery. People forget Avery and the fact that when it came to a big game, Bobby Cox would always put uh, uh, John Smoltz on the mound. He was their best big game pitcher. I mean, it was strength versus strength. And I realized, all right, well, the Indians are going to win this. Uh, there was there was there was not a second where I thought this is going to wind up going to the Atlanta Braves. No. Well, way. in the middle of the season, also you celebrate the three thousandth hit for Eddie Murray. So you know, big big time milestone. And we'll be curious to see how many if we ever see those again uh, going forward. But. Yeah, I, this this was a, a juggernaut team. Certainly, uh, looking up at them all season, you know, as a uh, Southside Chicago, and uh, that that was just a runaway and hide. So it's all, always the question, though, when you clinch that early, how hungry are you? Yeah, can you flip it back on? All the questions we ask about NBA teams or NFL teams when you sit for the final two weeks of the regular season because everything's wrapped up. You always wonder how much of that is still sitting in the background. No matter how dominant you are at certain points, you know, is is it something that you can just get that machine running once again? And when you look at what how some of the uh, Indians hit in the World Series, you see. Batting averages under 200. You know, Barriaga hit 192. You know, Bell hit 235. Kenny Lofton at 200. Uh, Eddie Murray hit 105. Tony Payne at 167. Sorrento, 182. Manny Ramirez, 222. Jim Tomey, 211. Omar Vizquel, 174. It's, it's they, they were stopped in their tracks by the Braves pitching. And the final scores, it wasn't like the Braves won a lot of uh, blowout games with a lot of runs. They win 3-2. They win 4-3. They win 5-2. They win one nothing. Uh, these were the Braves' wins. And and the Indians just, just it was a bad time to stop hitting, but you got to give the Braves a lot of credit because it was their pitching that did it. And the Braves win in six games, 
and they win game six, one, nothing Tom Glavin, who gets all the credit. And so does Dave justice. Uh, justice hit a home run in this game for the only run of the game. And here's the weird part of it is that justice at this time going into game six was hated. <laughs> Braves fans hated him because prior to this game, he ripped the fans for not being as loud and involved as they were in seasons past. When the Braves were an up and coming fun team in the late eighties, early nineties, right? the Braves have been bad for a long time. They went from Bob Horner and Dale Murphy. They weren't very good, but then you know, they, they beat the, the Pittsburgh Pirates and Francisco Cabrera and Sid Breen slide. And suddenly, Hey, the Braves are America's darlings. Well, after a while of excellence and not winning the world series, the, excitedness of the fans, you know, went down a little bit because, well, they wanted to win. They didn't win. And Dave justice calls out the fans. I was, I'm like, Oh my God, you, you, there's one sure way to find yourself out of town or to lose an argument. And that is call out fans of a team. You're never going to win an argument with the fans, but justice hits the home run for the only run of the game. And Glavin wins it. Mark Wollers closed it out. He saved all four games in the series for the Braves. And so the Braves get their lone championship in that great run. When you talk about teams that should have won more with that kind of pitching staff, they should have won more, but they lost to the Yankees. They couldn't get over the hump more than just this series against the Indians and the Indians go down as the best team to make it to the world series and never win. They hit 179 in the world series. This after they led the American league in batting average and ERA during the regular season. Well, it's the greatness of the bizarro world. As we uh, sit and are talking about this, people will be listening to this for years, but the year 2020, I don't know if you noticed, Jason, is a little bit odd. Likewise, really? where, where, where would you think that? <laughs> I just, just calling it what it is. Uh, and everybody out there shaking their fist and cursing some format, uh, something that happened in this year. Each of you have, you know, the overriding, arch, overarching themes that we have uh, as a communal. Uh, kind of endeavor here, but certainly in your own lives, uh, maybe you want to point to something specific. I'll give you three, two. <laughs> and in 1995, coming back off the big strike year, Major League Baseball had a lot of twists and turns, a late start to the season. And in the oddities, you mention it, the Braves actually win the World Series. <laughs> so that was the year that was 1995. Coming back from the strike, Lasorda, the forfeit, Greg A. Harris, Cal Ripken, Mickey Mantle, Seattle and the Yankees, the play-in game, game number 163, the oddity of the World Series and the best team to make it to the World Series and never win. Two last things for you, though. Sure. Jason. You mentioned Seattle and saving baseball there. Mm -hmm. At the end of the year, as a Christmas present to the people of St. Louis, Anheuser-Busch sold the team. You want to know how much they, they were selling it for? Uh, $25 in a case of Bud. That sounds about right. Okay. $150 million <laughs> to a, a group of investors that said, we won't move the team. Mm. And you know what that franchise is worth right now? Because everybody loves St. Louis Cardinal baseball. Oh, I would they're say, I would say at least, baseball, you know, although, yeah, cause you know, I'm not told that all the time, you know, they're really, really smart fans. Oh, I would say the Cardinals probably about 2 billion, $2.2 billion. Mm. Not bad. Not a bad return off your $150 million investment. <laughs> you know, my neighbor next door and she, she's in her nineties now. Wonderful, wonderful woman, her and her husband. We've lived next door to them for the past 10 years. 
and I, I I remember having a conversation with him saying, uh, hey, so what'd you pay for this house? He goes, well, I bought the house uh, when it was built. I said, when was it built? He goes, it was built in 1951. I said, oh my God. They, so they lived in this house since 1951. Wow. And I said, uh, I don't want to ask you, uh, what'd you pay for this house? He goes, oh, was six thousand dollars, <laughs> <laughs> and I said, "Oh my God!" Really he goes, "Yeah." I said, "What was your mortgage payment?" He goes, "It was thirty bucks a month," and there was sometimes had a tough time paying it. <laughs> uh, and now, if they sold that house, it would go for like one and a half million dollars. I was going to say for six thousand dollars in nineteen fifty one. Not huge, but <laughs> land in Southern California, baby. Oh boy! Oh my goodness! But yeah, there, there is your. That's the capper to the year of nineteen ninety five. In Major League Baseball Our I Love the 90s run Continues next week We're going to jump ahead To the magical year of 1999 You have an idea for a future episode of Special Teams Hit us up on Twitter At How About a Fresca Mike at Swollen Dome You can listen to our radio show every night Monday through Friday on Fox Sports Radio 10pm to 2am on the East Coast 7 to 11 on the West Coast We'll talk to you next week with some more Special Teams Before you go, rate and review the show, whether you're listening on iHeartRadio, iHeartRadio apps, Apple, whatever it is. Give us a rate. Tell us you like it. We will love you forever and ever and ever. Special Teams is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Hey, guys. Back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck, yeah. And some waves. So we could go surfing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> ah, love that. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, tenor girl go shopping. Yeah, baby. Wait. Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. Tired of restless nights? At Lisa, we know good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. From memory foam mattresses to hybrids that keep you cool all night long, Lisa's mattresses offer exceptional comfort and support with free delivery and 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details.